Well, hello. Welcome back to Parentheses, the podcast. My name is Belle. I am a brand strategist, marketing expert, and copywriter. And this is my podcast where I talk about business, copywriting, marketing, branding, um, just everything that's happening in my life, books I'm reading, um, fun restaurants I'm finding, um, pretty much anything I feel like talking about. And (laughs) the name of the podcast is a reflection on the fact that the parentheses is my absolute favorite copywriting tool because it is such a great way of adding a personality into copy, but then also such a good way to add a little bit more to a sentence, which is what I am always constantly trying to do because you just got so much to say, you know, well, at least that's how I feel. Um, today I am going to be sharing some tips, tricks, and how to step-by-step for writing a sickening homepage. And I'm so excited to get into it, but before I start talking about websites and copywriting and homepages, I wanted to share a couple other things that have been going on lately. Um, as I am recording this, it is Friday. I do all my recordings on Friday and then these come out on Monday. Um, pro tip when you are doing content marketing, always be batching and (laughs) recording and creating ahead of time. Um, and I am looking out the window and it is beautiful and sunny and I cannot stop thinking about this book I read last night. I stayed up until past midnight to finish it and it was kind of crazy. I had really low expectations. The book is called The Perfect Marriage and oh geez, who's it by? Geneva something, I think. I'll have to link it in the show notes, I guess. Um, But The Perfect Marriage, um, it is this author's very first book. Um, I believe that's what they said in the um, like acknowledgements or whatever. Uh, And I was, I didn't have huge expectations. I got Kindle Unlimited three, like the three month unlimited uh, trial when I bought my Kindle, um, which I think I've mentioned already. I'm like obsessed with my Kindle, but um, I have um, been just reading as much of the Kindle Unlimited books as possible because I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it after the three months. I haven't quite decided if it's worth it yet. Um, And that means I've been reading a bunch of books that are not really on my to-be-read list. They're not really on my want-to-read list on Goodreads or anything. They're just books that I've been finding that look interesting, that kind of fit my genre that I like, which is mystery, thriller, romance, like just fiction, like stories, historical fiction sometimes. Um, Those are kind of my main uh, books that I really, really like. And this one, The Perfect Marriage, it, uh, I'm going to kind of spoil it, like not entirely, but let me just say I was shocked and chilled at the ending. And maybe if you've been reading thrillers for like longer than I have, maybe you wouldn't have felt that way, but I thought it was really well done. There was like so much going on throughout the book, like just so many things. The premise, which I thought was actually one aspect of the book that I, I really, really liked is that this woman, um, finds out that her husband is cheating and has like a mystery because the mistress ends up dead after he went to see her one night and then you but you get the perspective of her and of him like the uh, her husband throughout the whole uh, book so it like hops back and forth between them and then there's all these characters like tons of characters actually for how um, I find that a lot of thrillers and mysteries like don't have a ton of characters and I was really impressed this one balanced a lot of characters um, really well. And at one point, like I pretty much thought almost anyone could have been the, um, 
the murderer or like the the one who did it or whatever um and it has some really interesting like kind of crazy twists um i rated it a four um and i wanted to talk a little bit about sorry something glitched with my recording and um i got turned off for a second i'm back um i was going to talk about my goodreads rating system a little bit with this book because i've been thinking about it like all morning it was such a shocking ending um like chilling i would say more than shocking um more like a chilling ending i was like very like like a shiver went down my spine almost um which is crazy uh and it got kind of (laughs) dark but um what I was going to talk about is my Goodreads rating because I've had several people critique my the way I rate my books because I will rate a book, let's say I rate it like three or four stars and then I'll recommend it to someone and someone is like, I've had multiple people say like, why would you recommend me a book if it's only this many stars or why are you saying it's such a great book if you only rated it three or four stars? So here's my theory on Goodreads. My theory is that you should just give it one number. And I know a lot of people do like 3.6 or something, but I'm just like all about the one number situation um, for rating books out of five. Um, And I really think that um, a three-star book is still like a a good book. And maybe that's why I have an unpopular opinion. (laughs) Maybe other people really disagree with that. But in my opinion, like a two is like a pretty bad book. A one would be like, I barely finished it because obviously we need to still include the ratings. It's not like if no one ever rates a book, a one and a half or a two, then why do we even have that rating system? You know what I mean? Um, so in my head, it makes sense that a three is like a standard, like solid book. Like it was entertaining. It didn't like change my life. It wasn't like extraordinarily good or anything, but it's like a solid book. Like I enjoyed, it was entertaining. It was good. Then a four is like, that was a great book. That was like really good, really enjoyed it. And then a five is like, oh my gosh, one of the best books um, I've read in a while or read ever, like just such an, like I will recommend it to everyone. It's like my, one of my absolute faves. So like examples of books that have reached five stars for me um, this year would be A Flicker in the Dark, which I just finished, which is a mystery. Um, also a first time author, so, so good. Like so well written, um, really well crafted, a little unrealistic t- at times, but I've realized that all thrillers and mysteries are like, a tiny bit unbelievable at times. Like that's just how it goes. <laughs> um, super, super good. Another one would be, uh, Josh Peck's book. Uh, I think it's happy people are annoying. Such an amazing book. Like it's an, um, is it autobiography by autobiography, right? Cause that's when you write it yourself about yourself. Um, it's like a memoir, like it's about his life and it is so good, like such an amazing book. And I listened to the audiobook, and I would highly recommend if you are into audiobooks, listening to that one. Um, so that's like an example of like, oh my gosh, absolutely loved, would totally recommend, like so, so good. Um, whereas something like Hotel Nantucket um, by uh, Hildebrand, what's her first name? Aaron Ellen Hildebrand, um, the hotel Nantucket, um, which I also just read and was like a really good, uh, referral book. I'm pretty sure I read it like three or four cause it was good. Um, I really enjoyed it, but it didn't like change my life. I'm not going to like, you know, recommend it to every single person only if it's kind of in their genre and they, they, they would, I think they would like it. Um, uh, but really good, really solid. I really enjoyed that kind of thing. So that's to clear up anyone who has ever critiqued my Goodreads rating situation. Um, but anyways, been thinking about that book so much, just thought I would share and I hope it's not too much of a spoiler to say that the end chilled me and had me like kind of scared to go to sleep. Not going to lie. Um, the other thing I was going to touch on, which I thought would be kind of fun just for any other self-employed business people out there or anyone, 
um, who has thought about owning their own business or starting their own company in any capacity is I have finally reached the point where I need an accountant (laughs) and I have kind of been at that point for like a while now and it's just kind of gotten to the point where I'm like okay now I actually have to do it like I've decided this is something I want this is something I need for me and my business um and now it's reached a point where it's like a need (laughs) for sure um so when I started my business, I did not hire an accountant right away. This is something that I've had a lot of people ask about in the past, just in terms of like, how do I manage finances? How do I keep track of costs, um, pay my taxes, make sure I have enough put away and all that kind of thing. And the short answer is, is that I'm Google's biggest fan. Like I just look up everything. I try to find every piece of information on anything regarding um, anything to do with business management or finance management or marketing or anything that I'm doing, um, in a professional as well as a personal capacity. I'm just like constantly Googling things and trying to figure it out. So when I started my business, it was part-time. And so it made sense for me to just like track my own small expenses, like, you know, a couple new pieces of photography equipment or maybe, um, my QuickBooks or whatever it is. Um, but I didn't have a ton of costs and it was part-time. And so my, the amount that I made was not that much. And so then all it really came down to was keeping track of expenses and then putting it all into my TurboTax when I did my taxes. And then I just followed the prompts pretty much and just kept track of like my very few, I had like maybe one or two monthly expenses and then a couple little like gear purchases and stuff. I didn't track gas or anything. It was just very, very low, um, stress, like part-time, uh, job type thing, little side hustle. And then as I kind of grew and developed, uh, my business got more clients, um, all of the craziness of, uh, the pandemic happened. And I started to look at maybe going more full time with my own freelance work and stuff. Um, when all of that was happening, I ended up getting, uh, QuickBooks, which as I said, I still use and I, I, I like a lot. Um, QuickBooks is a very easy accounting software. You can send invoices from it and you can get payment, uh, payments, um, from it and all that kind of thing. Um, I got it on like a deal. I think I got it for like a six months for, you know, like it was like a deal a month. It was maybe like $6 a month or something like that. It was just a deal compared to what it normally is, which I believe is like $20 a month, which is not too, too crazy when you think about how much you can do through it, how much you can manage in it. Um, I don't even use it to the full extent that um, you can, but I did end up getting that when I was starting to think about moving my business full time and I managed all my invoices and stuff, which was way better because I used to do like manual, like email, had to email each client or like email invoices out and like put them on PDFs and stuff. And it was just so much work and not really that helpful. Um, so I did decide to invest in QuickBooks and then I, I did my own taxes through TurboTax again and I owed a little bit more and it was just like a little bit more to keep track of. And then I had a really successful year last year and still was using QuickBooks, still tracking all my own finances. I just looked up how much um, I would need to put away for taxes and CPP and GST and all these things. And then I would just, every time I got a paycheck, I just put those percentages into different accounts. Um, and then at the end of the year, pay the government a whole bunch of money. <laughs> so, um, for anyone who has ever asked, that was like how I started. It is definitely a totally fine way to start. If you run a business that is like really low cost, doesn't have a ton of expenses. Um, and if you are good at managing your own money, I would say all those things were true for me. So I went with that for several years now. Um, but, uh, I have finally decided I need some support, especially just in terms of, um, having some bigger financial goals coming up. If we're going to do our wedding and pay for that, um, maybe purchasing a new vehicle, which is something we've been thinking about. And of course, looking at homes, if, 
prices ever make sense for that or um, if we um, decide to go for that, then that is something also that's like a big goal. And then business wise, I really want to make sure everything is like super, super um, clear, really, really easy to understand. And then I'm tracking everything properly um, and effectively and that someone else is like helping me with that. So I, um, yesterday, two days ago, a couple days ago, um, this week sometime, (laughs) I reached out on my Instagram and just asked for people's uh, recommendations for awesome accountants that they've used. I have to say, I was telling Josh this yesterday, that um, reaching out to people on Instagram or just on the internet, like through an email list, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, like reaching out through, um, yeah, some sort of platform to just ask for referrals and recommendations has to be one of my absolute favorite things about the internet and social media. There's lots of bad things, like lots, but it is so cool what can happen when you just like put out into the universe that you're looking for something or you like ask for recommendations. And, um, I totally could like text each of my friends and like ask for recs and stuff. And sometimes I do that if it's more like a personal rec or I'm interested in specifically someone they've used or, um, a service they've um, tried before or something like that. But just for in general, like advice, especially when you're just kind of looking for any kind of referral. So you don't have to just go off the first search on Google. Um, it's so handy. I love it so much. I got a couple really awesome referrals from that, uh, on Instagram that I'm going to reach out to this afternoon. So yeah, very, very stoked on that. Um, just thought I would mention what that journey's looked like in case anyone, um, is feeling similar or, um, has ever thought about what that looks like. And that's what it looks like. So I think, I think that's enough personal updates for now. My week has been kind of fine, blah. Um, relatively good, but also like kind of chill after the long weekend. Um, the long weekend was awesome. We had Monday just day at the beach, went to a brewery, stayed in the sun for way too long. Um, it was awesome. (laughs) And, uh, and then Josh got insanely sunburnt and was kind of in pain for the next few days, which is lame. But, uh, we've just had like played it really close to home. Um, made a lot of homemade meals. Um, made a delicious chicken salad with like blueberries and this new dressing yesterday, a tahini lemon dressing. Um, that is so, so good that I found at, uh, Safeway, I think here. Um, yeah, so it's just been pretty chill. Uh, so I think I'll just hop into talking about homepages now because I don't really have too many other things to catch you guys up on. So these are my tips, step-by-step steps, action steps, however you want to think about it. This is my suggestion um, and recommendations after building out lots of people's homepages. This this would be my advice for how you should create your homepage. And specifically, this is taken a little more from the copywriting standpoint. Um, If we were talking about how to design homepages, that would be a little more of a visual conversation. and uh, that would probably be done on something like a newsletter or a YouTube video or something like that. But this is more for as you actually put it together. Uh, I know that a lot of people, you know, will look and say, okay, well, I need to include these three things and that's great, but I don't really know how to do that or um, an example of what that would kind of sound like. So I'm going to try to be as example focused as possible as I walk you guys through this. Um, so here we go. And also I apologize. I've been saying, um, so much. I think it's my filler noise. I have to think of a different filler noise. Um, Oh my gosh, there we go again. 
Anyways, uh, this is how to create a sickening homepage. And the reason I'm using the word sickening in case any of you are cringing, um, like I know Josh does whenever I say that word, <laughs> it the word sickening comes from The Morning Toast, which is a podcast and YouTube series that I love to watch. There are these two super funny sisters uh, based out of New York. They have uh, a daily podcast show where they just share like the five uh, pop culture stories that you need to hear before you kind of get going with your day. They have a super dedicated community. And one thing that I love is that they have all these words they come up with, which is very reminiscent on um, inside jokes you have with your family and stuff like that, because they are family, obviously. Uh, so one of them is sickening as a good good thing. So it's like an absolutely, that's a sickening outfit. And it's like, that's a good outfit. And it's so funny, I wanted to use that word um, mostly because it's been in my vocabulary a lot lately, which is funny. Um, But it's also a really great example of using brand voice and creating community through voice. It's something that I have a lot of people ask, like, well, how do you kind of create that trust feeling, that dedicated community? How do you build that through words? Because that's a lot of what I do with clients is help them use words to communicate clearly, to uh, create a dedicated community, either online or um, in their uh, local neighborhoods uh, with their business and brand. And one of the ways is to have certain words or certain references that you use a lot uh, that people will really recognize as something that is specific to your brand or your business. Um, we see this a lot with like taglines. So if people have like a really fun tagline or a really fun um Uh, advertising campaign and then people start using that word a lot or that phrase a lot or maybe even a sound Um, so now when you think about it it's if you think about any podcast you listen to or any businesses you love um, or even your team like if you think about your team that you work with at work um, and you think about the words that uh, you guys use a lot or the kind of inside joke vocabulary that ends up being used uh, it's kind of fun that's like one way that uh, you can create a really strong brand and community um yeah I think it's just super fun and I thought it would be a good example to start with because that is ultimately what we're trying to do when we get people on your homepage is we're trying to get them engaged get them interested make them feel like they're in the right spot (laughs) that they're going to get their problem solved that they're coming with um and then also that that you'll slowly start to build them into your community and build them into being a either loyal customer or a um a big brand ambassador like absolute you know fan of your brand Um, so I just thought that was a fun word to use for that because, uh, those are things that I do a lot of is coming up with kind of fun words and phrases that are going to be attached to your brand. And I think the morning toast does a phenomenal job of that so much so that they have like a whole dictionary, I feel like of words that they use with their audience (laughs) that you like slowly start to understand, um, and really feel a part of something, which is ultimately what all brands and businesses and content creators are all trying to create. So here we go. Let's start with what you need to know before you write your homepage or before you put it together, before you craft it. Um, Sometimes businesses start with just a homepage. So this could be like your page, you need to have everything, or it could be the foundation of what you're going to build on after. We always start with building homepages because that's going to set the tone for everything else you create on your website. So we start with needing to know a few really specific things. We need to know 
who we are serving. That's pretty much the most important thing to know, really. Who are we talking to? Um, What do they like? What do they not like? What's going to resonate with them? What's going to make them feel good? What's going to make them feel bad? What's going to confuse them? Like we really want to know who we're serving. Um, This could look as simple as we're serving people in a specific area who are looking for uh, pet supplies. We're um, looking for people who um, maybe are a certain age, who have certain beliefs. Like we, we, it could be that surface surface level. And usually we start that surface level when we're trying to answer that question. Um, and then often where it goes from there is more of the psychographic stuff. Like what do they really love? Um, what would really turn them off? Like, it's really good to know each of those things. What are their, you know, big problems, those kinds of things. Uh, and then we need to know what problem that they have that we're solving. So we need to be really, really clear. Instead of saying like, well, what do we offer? We need to phrase it into what problem are we solving? Because ultimately everyone needs to be spoken to as if you have the solution. So if you have a solution for a specific group of people, specific community of people, um, you really need to know what that problem is that they have and how exactly you solve it. Um, You then (laughs) need to know how you are unique in how you solve it. So This is, I would say, probably the third most important, like how you're unique about it, because ultimately sometimes the way that you're unique in how you solve a problem is just that it's you solving the problem. If you're like a solo printer um, and you do all, you know, for example, your photography work on your own, you just do it yourself. You might not have a completely crazy different style than, you know, hundreds of other photographers in the world, but it's you specifically that they get to interact with. So that might be enough of a differentiator is that it's specifically you, you have maybe a certain approach you do things. Um, for products, it could be that you are, um, doing it in a unique way than other, some of your competitors are doing it. Maybe you're doing it vegan. Maybe you're doing it really clean ingredients. Maybe you're doing it, um, the cheapest. Although I would warn, as I say that I would warn you again, saying I'm the cheapest as being your differentiator or your thing that makes you unique and how you solve a problem. Because when it comes down to that, it's not really a big enough differentiator. Someone might go and look and go, well, someone else just started doing this cheaper. And so all of a sudden your differentiator or how you do something different than other people is gone. So it's like an easy thing for people to kind of undermine or for your differentiator to go away quickly. So definitely um, don't recommend that being your main point that you drive home. Um, The last thing you're going to need to know is you need to know what your main keyword is. This could be a phrase, a specific kind of jumble of words. Um, But really, this is and this is not as technical as it sounds. This is for SEO. It's to make sure that your website can that Google can really easily tell what your website is about and who it should show your website to. But your keyword does not need to be complicated. Um, uh, I can do a whole episode on SEO. I'm not like a SEO specific expert. There's lots of people who just do SEO and they're, they're awesome to reference as experts, um, on this, but I do a lot of SEO work. And so I do know a lot of, um, actionable steps and I can explain it a little further, (laughs) but ultimately like, let's say you are a social media manager. Let's say you are a, um, a, a veterinarian, like it could be as simple as, um, veterinarian 
Calgary or something, veterinary in Vancouver or something like that. It could be as simple as just like the actual two words you want to be known the most for are these two. It could be social media manager, could be your keyword. Uh, That's probably a hard keyword to rank really high for, which I can explain again further um, later. But just knowing kind of the the word or or the phrase that you really want to be known for and that you want really attached to your website so that Google really understands uh, what exactly you offer or who exactly you offer to is going to be key. Okay, so you have those four things. Who are you serving? How are you serving them in a unique way? What problem are you actually solving? And then what is your keyword or key phrase um, that we want Google to understand as it um, scrolls your site? Then we reach our, so if you've got all those things, that's awesome. You're already like, honestly, the hardest part is done in my opinion, because those things are sometimes really hard to get really clear. Uh, The next thing is probably the next hardest part, to be honest, is putting together your header. So your header on a homepage, and I'm sure if you've done any research into homepages before or how to write effective websites, it's all about the headers. Everyone is all about the headers, but there's a good reason for that. It's not just because headers are um, funky or cool or make you sound neat or anything like that. Headers are very much a practical thing that you need on your website for a couple reasons. We need your header to include your keyword or your SEO focused word. Um, And this could look a little different for other people, like for different brands. Obviously not everyone has a big header right at the very, very top of their website, but pretty much what we need to have is make sure that that word that you really want Google to know is attached to your website. We want that as close to the top and as much in your header as possible. And that's going to tell Google that's because that's the first thing Google checks (laughs) is that first header. That's going to be the thing that Google is starting to understand what your site is about, who it needs to show it to. You know, if people are searching for words similar to that, they know it. um, Google needs uh, the algorithm. It's not like a person needs to bring your site closer and closer to the top of that. Um, and again, uh, I can dig deeper into that in future uh, podcasts, but just for right now, that's like one thing that's going to be really important is making sure Google knows what your website is all about. The other thing that makes your header so important is that it's the first freaking thing someone will see when they, when they click on your website, they will see your header and probably not much else because we have that area called above the fold, which is the area you can see on a website when you first land on it, uh, before you start scrolling, that's called above the fold. And we really want to make sure, can you still hear me? That was crazy. My computer just like froze for a second. Very trippy. Um, so yeah, so we want to make sure that your header is super, super clear, um, has the SEO keyword and that it grabs your reader's attention and tells them immediately right away whether they're in the right spot for what they're looking for. So we don't want a header to be confusing, a header to say something vague so that I'm like, what even is this? (laughs) Um, And we want it to be attracting the people you are talking to. So remember we were talking about who are we serving or who are we offering solutions to? We wanna make sure that this heading is appealing to them, engaging to them, makes them want to scroll down and learn more, um, and then tells them immediately if they're in the right place. We really wanna make sure we're saying that really clearly. So you wanna have a header, um, and then you also can have a subheader, which can get a little further into how you're different, because obviously we don't want like a huge amount of crazy big text that like stretches across, you know, the whole screen. We want it to be kind of as short and concise as possible. And then the subheader, the like smaller text right underneath is going to get a little bit deeper into the, this is why you're in the right place. This is how we're different. This is how we're serving you, you in a unique way. 
Um, so those are kind of two key things that we're gonna take a while to build out because that's really gonna tell you, um, like the success of your site is gonna be based on whether people will continue to scroll, right? Um, so that first header really is so important for that reason. Um, so I'm gonna give you an example of headers that I see a lot on um, websites and an example of how you can make it better. And I did write out this example because I didn't want to do it on the fly. I'm not a great on the fly example person is something I've realized. So if you ever hear me saying something that sounds semi smart or looks like it sounds like, sorry, looks sounds like it, um, had some thought behind it. It is almost for sure in my notes, in my Asana task that I'm looking at as I record this, <laughs> uh, the, the example is Hello, I'm Anna and I take dreamy wedding photos for fun couples. So while that is not like a bad thing to say, what it doesn't do is be really, really clear as to whether I have found the, like the right photographer for me. I'm using wedding photographers in this example because they're pretty simple and I've done like work for creatives and stuff before. So it's a pretty easy um, example to use, but you could do this for anybody. So there's a lot of hello, like the, you're wasting space for using that. <laughs> there's also no like keyword in that. Um, it, I guess you could say dreamy wedding photos is maybe the keyword. Actually, this is not the worst headline if you moved things around a little bit. Fun couples. So if I felt like I was part of a fun couple and I was looking for wedding photos, then that's not bad. Um, okay. So maybe I take it back. This is like a fine header. It doesn't have a subheader though. So it doesn't really like clarify exactly the style of photographer they are. I would have to probably like see some of her work before I was impressed. I also don't really care what her name is right off the bat. Cause I just want to see if it's like suitable for my needs. Is it the kind of photographer that I would want to work with? Um, so dreamy is not very specific. I'm like, okay, kind of get, so I, I feel like I kind of understand what's going on and I maybe will keep scrolling if there's like a nice photo in the background or something, but I might also be like meh and kind of leave and go find someone else. So the alternate that I have put together here, the, um, like optimized header would be the wedding photographer for adventurous couples in Vancouver, BC. So, okay. I'm going to explain a little bit as to why this works a little better. So first of all, wedding photographer is right in the beginning of the header. And that's of course going to be their keyword that they really want Google to really understand what this site is. So that's a great job right off the bat. Adventurous is a little bit, a little bit better word than fun because adventurous is a little more specific. You know, people have fun in different ways, but adventurous is we all, we all know that that has a little bit more of a punch to it probably involves more like uh, bold couples or couples who want to do some kind of crazy fun things at their wedding, as opposed to fun could for some people mean like being in a church or like being kind of more traditional, like that could kind of mean fun to them. So being a little bit more specific. Um, and then also my favorite part is the saying exactly where they work out of. So in Vancouver, BC, which is just an example. Um, and then the subheader for that would be if you love grainy photos, wine spritzers and wedding parties ending up in the ocean, you can check wedding photographer off your list. So you'll see what I did there in this header and subheader is this is what we are and this is what like you're looking for and here's how we are the, your solution. So you very clearly explain like grainy photos. Okay, well, if I don't like grainy photos or if that's not really my vibe, I obviously know this is not the photographer for me. Perfect. If I love grainy photos and I'm really excited at that. And if I think oh, wine spritzers, okay, that's kind of fun. I do love a wine spritzer and then wedding parties ending up in the ocean. Love that. That's very adventurous. It matches with some of our keywords in the header. Um, 
And then uh, ending up in the ocean, of course, very adventurous, but also really gives you uh, like a visual of what working with this photographer might look like. Um, And also, uh, again, weeding out people who don't like that kind of adventurous or don't want that kind of like crazy fun stuff happening at their wedding or in their wedding photos. So again, weeding out people who you don't want to work with and being super clear about who you do want to work with and how you solve their problem. So how you solve their problem is you can check wedding photographer off your list. And I'll give you a secret, actually. When I first wrote that draft, which took me just like a few minutes, like just putting together something kind of brief for this podcast. But when I first wrote it, I wrote off your to-do list. And then I was thinking, I took one second to think extra about this. And I thought, if I'm the kind of person who loves the idea of my wedding party all ending up in the ocean and taking grainy photos, maybe it's blurry, it's kind of film looking, we're adventurous, woo. If I like that, I might not have a strict to-do list. So using the word to-do list is probably more for someone who's maybe a bit more organized. Maybe maybe we're trying to attract someone who likes that kind of checking things off. Um, so instead just saying list is just a little more in the adventurous, fun, grainy, kind of wild couple vein. Um, so that's another example of like taking an extra second to really think about who you're talking to and how you uniquely solve their problem um, is a great way to make your header stand out and for you to attract your dream people to your business. So that's the first thing, header, subheader. I've explained a little bit about how you do that, given some examples. Nice. I'm moving on to the next steps. So next steps don't have a specific order because these are all just necessary parts of a homepage, um, in my opinion, and what I've seen work well for my clients and for um, other businesses that I've worked with in different capacities. This is what they have had on their homepages. This is what I've helped build out. And this is what works and gets conversion. These are like must-have pieces. They do not all have to be in the same order as this, like not at all. In fact, I did just put them in a random order because each business will kind of look different, especially based on your design and what exactly you're trying to focus on. Um, You would move these around uh, depending on what your business is, whether you're selling products, whether you're a restaurant, like all those kinds of things. So first is what working with you or using your products or taking part in your service is like, why it matters and showing empathy towards them. So this is kind of the like explain it all paragraph. <laughs> so often this is like the second thing after the header, after maybe some photos or something like that, um, or maybe some like product um, for like for an e-commerce situation, maybe there would be some products at the top there so people can easily like head right to the shop area. But having a nice little like explainer paragraph, um, this is often where you can add a little bit of personality, showcase your brand voice a little bit, and really just explain like, here's why we know you need this solution. Here's, you know, what your experience might be like. Um, oh my gosh, I just hit my microphone. I'm so sorry guys. Um, here's what your experience might be like. Here's, you know, the, the, why, uh, this matters to your life. So it's more like explaining a little bit more about your product or, um, or your service and like how it'll help them. So, so you'll, you'll see that, um, sorry, I'm like stuttering so much. It's crazy. Um, you will see that in this situation, the paragraph is all about them. And you'll notice that in the header as well, I was really talking a lot about how it serves them and really focusing on that. That's pretty much going to be the theme of the whole homepage is that it's really all about who you're serving. It's all about your customers. It's all about your clients. Um, it's really not as much about you at all. It is a little bit because obviously you are the founder or the like brand behind the business or the face behind the business, or even sometimes the person they're working directly with. So it's obviously a little bit about you, but a lot of it is about 
about uh, them. It's mostly figuring out how we appeal directly to them and talking directly to them. So that's gonna be your first explainer paragraph. You can add that kind of anywhere throughout. It doesn't have to be right at the top, but oftentimes people do put it up there. The second thing is a mini about section. So this is of course, if you have a team of people, this could look like a meet the team kind of area and it could just have a link to your about page um, and like a few photos of some of your teammates or maybe a little group photo or something, but a little mini about that's really not about you. And between the lines copywriting, Sarah does an amazing job of explaining how to do this on her website and blog between the lines copy. Uh, really, really amazing educator in that space and does a lot of work on about pages that are not really about you. But it's really true. It's really, really about building trust. So the key to doing that is to think of a couple things that you can say about yourself and your journey and you know you growing your own business or whatever that is, um, or your team. Um, so anything about your team or yourself that relates to how you help people. <laughs> So it's really not about saying like, here's all these things about me. It's really more saying like, I um, also had a similar experience to what my clients go through. Like maybe I really struggled to find a photographer who was down for adventure, down for whatever, was just like keen to jump in the ocean or play on the mountain or take a hike over this kind of sketchy bridge to find this really beautiful grassy spot for our engagement photos or whatever. Um, and mentioning your personal experience and how you, and why you decided to start the company, but then why it applies to them. So, so saying, so then I decided I was going to do that. And I was going to offer that to couples who shared that same love of, of adventure. Um, and then you can make a couple jokes, like who also loves a good wine spritzer after a long day or something like that. So you kind of add a little personality, but you appeal directly to, um, how you serve them and how you serve them in, in a unique way. So that's the mini about that's not really about you. It's more about building a connection and explaining further how you offer services or products to them. Next, you're going to want to have a services or product list. Um, this is something that sometimes I see on websites, but not enough in my opinion, is really explaining really clearly in like a list or maybe some photos or something of exactly what your services are and what your products are. You do not need to explain the entire product or the entire service line or anything like that, but you should have a call to action button right after you have a little section on it saying, here's where you get all the information about all these services. So maybe like a tiny little description of like your top three services or your top service, and then a call to action, or maybe um, an example of some of your products and then a link to like, here's all the products. So that's definitely something I would recommend is having that on your homepage. This is a great way for people to really easily understand exactly what you offer. So for example, you could say like elopements, uh, weddings and engagement shoots. You could have like a little photo for each and then like learn more or um, browse our services or take a look at our packages or whatever as the call to action. So making sure you always have that so people have a really clear idea right off the bat what you do um, and how to find out more about the exact packages or the exact products that they can get from you. Then your one of the most important things is the validation. So this is how you build the expertise on what you're doing. Um, you'll probably notice it's become very, very common for people to showcase like logos of brands that they've worked with um, or brands that have featured their work or publications that have sh you know showed them off or whatever it is. That's become a really uh, common way to do this. Um, 
Validation pretty much just means that you are showing how you are an expert and you can do that in a ton of ways. It doesn't just have to be logos with people you've worked with, because if you haven't worked with a ton of like really well-known brands, uh, that might not be the way to do it, but there are lots of other ways to do it. So don't worry. A couple ways you can do it is you can have testimonials. That's another really common one. Um, testimonials are good. They're, they are good. They're quite good, but they're not always the only thing you should have on there. If you have some testimonials and you put maybe like one on your homepage, that's really awesome. Uh, maybe it has a photo of the person who uh, gave it to you, or maybe it has their name. And then it says like from Google reviews or from Facebook reviews or something. That's great. And it's actually really important to have a few of those somewhere on your site. But there's other ways you can do it that are a little more concrete, a little more like we didn't just like write this out and pretend someone gave this to us. Not that I'm saying you would do that, but there are businesses that would. And sometimes it's tricky if you can't see where the testimonial came from to believe that someone said that exact thing, especially if it's like too nice, you know, (laughs) Um, it can definitely be a red flag if someone has put like a little too much niceness and you just, you can't see where it came from. So there's a few more solid ways you can add validation. That includes case studies. So linking to case studies, if you have those on your blogs, let's say you do like service-based work, this could be a really good way to do that. You could also list like awards you've gotten. So maybe little little um, uh, badges or something like little graphics that show different awards you've won as a company. Um, logos of people you worked with, I already mentioned. And then a big one that's like starting to grow in popularity more and more is showcasing specific numbers. So saying like working with, you know, we've worked with this many brands in counting, or we've worked with this many couples in counting, or um, we shot, you know, 100 weddings last year and, uh, you know, 100% loved everyone or something like that. Like just using numbers to express how you are an expert is a really, really great way because it's not as, it takes shorter to read, first of all, so people can get a really clear idea right off the bat of some of examples of your uh, validation from other people. Um, so, you know, it could say like 7,500 happy customers. Let's say you are, you sell a product. So it could say something, or it could say 20,000 happy customers since this year or something like that. You just have that somewhere on your site. Um, I recommend putting them in like a banner format. So kind of like a small um, little banner that you stretch across your website and then have a couple numbers built across that. Um, So that's a really handy way to do that as well. Um, Really nice too, if you don't have a huge amount of testimonials yet or not a ton of case studies, it's always nice to put a couple numbers and they can just be anything just that proves a little bit of your expertise. Like, you know, I've been a photographer for nine years and counting or something like that. It doesn't have to be um, anything super crazy. It can just be showcasing some validation on your experience. Uh, next is the nice to have thing. So we've gone through some of the like really key items that you're definitely going to want to have on your homepage and where they lead to on in other areas of your website and why they matter and a couple tips on how to put those together. The nice to have things, I would definitely still recommend putting these nice to have things on there. I think these are really handy. They're really helpful. Um, and, uh, they're definitely going to help you grow your site and, uh, get more content on your site. Cause you don't want to have a homepage that's really, really short unless that's maybe your strategy, but a lot of people like scrolling these days and like seeing lots of information. So it's always nice to have a little bit of extra on there. 
So the few things that I have listed here are blog posts, podcast episodes, or anything else that is content wise that you create, having those somewhere on your, or having, sorry, a link to them with a few examples on your homepage is really handy. Do not put every podcast episode you've ever done on a homepage. Do not put every blog post, just put maybe like your top three that you get good compliments on, or you have high readership on. Uh, and put those there and then put a little like listen more or read more and then people can go to your blog section or your podcast. Um, maybe you have articles that you write, you know, in different publications or something and people can find more if they click like read more. Uh, but definitely having a little example of some content um, highlighted on your homepage is a really nice way to showcase your expertise and uh, show that you have lots more people can look at. Uh, another one is a link to get on an email list, get a freebie download or get a discount. So a lot of people have done this where they put a little pop-up where something pops up on your site. These can work pretty well pop-ups like they're not, you know, they're not the worst. We're pretty used to them at this point, but another way to do it is just have it directly on your homepage. One benefit of having it just directly on your page is you're only going to get people signing up who genuinely have like looked at a little bit of your page already a pop-up. Sometimes people will sign up, um, for an email list just to get like a 10% discount, even if they don't really plan on being like a long-term customer, or maybe they don't know a ton about you yet and they'll just pop their email in um, just to get something free. Uh, so something nice about the having it on your page is that they will have been scrolling and obviously have been looking at your site, uh, which means they are definitely more likely to appreciate new um, emails or newsletters from you. Um, or getting discounts or anything as well. So if it's you, if you have a product, it could be a discount. If you have a service, it could be just a join my email list or here, you know, join my email list and I'll give you something free. Could be like a free website audit or a free um, like haircut trim or something. Your first one's free or something like that if you join our email list. So uh, that's another really good one to have somewhere on your homepage. Uh, and then the next one would be your unique method or what working with you looks like. So this can look like a couple different things, depending on the kind of service or product you offer. Um, and a good example of this would be like a portfolio. So like a link to your portfolio, maybe some examples of what your portfolio looks like, uh, an example or an, um, an explanation of your method. If you have a really unique way you do something in your business or a unique um, thing about your product, you could like highlight that in a method section or um, like a, if you have really kind of cool ingredients in your product, you could put um, our muffins have da 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 and kind of highlight some uniqueness about it. And then you could have a button or a call to action that is like, uh, come check out our full list of cupcakes or something, or check out all our flavors or something like that. And then people click it and head to your, um, purchase page or product page or whatever your menu, whatever your kind of desired uh, result from that is. So that's where that unique method, your portfolio, um, something unique about your product. So highlighting something about what you do that might be interesting to someone in a more visual or like shorter form format, not a paragraph with a call to action at the bottom. So I hope that kind of made sense. Those are like three extra sections that I've seen do really, really well on people's websites, but um, are not completely necessary to publish a website and have it work well. The last thing, the last thing is the final call to action. So this is something that I don't see everyone do, but I have done on all of the websites that I've put together. And I do see on lots of websites still that do very well. Lots of businesses I really admire and stuff do this. And that is to have the final thing on your homepage be a direct call to action. 
So maybe, you know, you start with some more direct things like your services list and your mini about, um, like a meet the team section and some validation, like testimonials, maybe some blog posts you've done, um, uh, like a product list so people can head and find more about that, all that kind of thing. And then they get to the end. Um, and what you're going to want to do is circle back to, do you want to work together? Do you want to buy this product? Here's why you should. You want to kind of have a final call to action with a button that really clearly is like, here's how you do this thing, <laughs> whatever it is in your business. Um, it could be like booking your pet's first appointment. It could be um, making a reservation, like anything you want people to really do right away. That's what your final section on your website is going to be. So it's going to be a final call to action with a little paragraph, an engaging header, and a call to action button that is really, really clearly marked. So that is something I would always recommend um, having at the end. And this is also a great place if you've been sharing things like content or here's how you join our email list and all that kind of stuff for the kind of latter half of the homepage. It's a great way to kind of circle back to here's the purpose of this homepage and here's how you're going to get what you are looking for. Here's how you're going to solve your problem. And here's how we do it. And here's, um, how it's going to work for you. So it's a good way to kind of circle back to that. If you've been sharing a couple like more content focused things, um, for most of the, uh, latter half of the homepage. And folks, that is my basic description, my basic, um, mapped out step-by-step -step how to create a sickening homepage. And I hope you liked it. I, I feel like I'm, I'm slowly starting to get a hang of this podcasting by myself thing. As I said, I've done podcasts with like guests and stuff before, which have been fine. Um, so much easier in my opinion. <laughs> and, uh, but I really do love the format. I do love this and I, I'm really loving everyone's support. Um, so thank you so, so much. And I would love any feedback, uh, on whether you think these topics are good. If you have something you would like me to talk about in terms of copywriting, branding, marketing, business, um, just what's going on, books, food, anything, uh, definitely do let me know. You can find me of course on Instagram at bell white creative. Uh, my website is bellwhite.ca and I have an exciting website update coming, which I'm so stoked about. Uh, and then, uh, as far as the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you liked, subscribed, shared with anyone who you thought might find this interesting or valuable, uh, any small business owners or creative entrepreneurs, um, anyone who is interested in copy and communication and branding and business. Um, and uh, I think that's it. I'm going to stop rambling and go find an accountant. Hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day.